for 24-7. Paul had wanted to go to Rome and to preach in Rome because it's thought that the, the Roman church was, was established, and we don't have a lot of information on it, but it was established after some of the Jews who were in Pentecost, came, who were at Pentecost in Jerusalem, came back to Rome as, as believers because they saw the, the, the preaching and the teaching of the disciples that were going on there, and they came back and they established or they, they got together people of like mind and, and established a church in Rome. Well, of course, Paul had heard about it because, you know, as far as we know, it, 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 none of the disciples actually established that church. Paul established them all throughout, the, or throughout all the world just about. But in this particular case, it, it's, it, we don't really have a lot of information about it. But he wanted to go to Rome. He didn't want to go as a prisoner. Because as a prisoner, he was not allowed any freedom. He, didn't, he couldn't go out into the streets. He couldn't preach the word. He couldn't, he couldn't share with people. He couldn't minister to people. He was, it was just, just a bad time for him. What do we say about Paul? What kind of person was Paul? Remember we called him a single-minded person? And what was that single mind? Spread the gospel. Spread the gospel. Absolutely. That was what he wanted to do. And that's what he did at every occasion. So Paul was a prisoner in Rome. He, he had a, um, a pretty rough time getting there. And if you want to look up some of it, you can go back to Acts, Acts 21, 7, uh, 21, verse 17 to 28, 31. And it kind of tells you his, his, uh, his journey to Rome. In that, in that particular passage, the, you know, he was arrested in Jerusalem. He was arrested in the temple of Jerusalem because the Jews accused him of desecrating the temple. He desecrated the temple by allowing Gentiles to come into the temple and hear the word taught by, you know, about Christ. So he was accused of desecrating the temple, and uh, the Romans thought he was a, a, an Egyptian re <coughs> renegade, <coughs> who was on their most wanted list, he remained a prisoner in Caesarea for two years, and he appealed to Caesar for a trial. He could do that because he was a Roman citizen. And a Roman citizen could not be tried by any other than a Roman court. And he had the right to appeal to Caesar himself. So he took that right, and he appealed to him, and then they put him on a boat to, send, to go to, uh, to Rome. In chapter 27 of Acts, he was, he was shipwrecked and was on the Isle of Malta for about three months. And he finally got to Rome for the trial before Caesar, like, as he requested. A lot of people would be discouraged about that, but, but Paul, being this single-minded individual, just kept looking to Christ and, and finding, you know, and, and knowing that wherever he was, he was in God's will. And, and, and doing what God wanted him to do. Um, and, and that, you know, he arranges, uh, God arranges circumstances for, for all of us. And, and he, he wants us to be, you know, according to his plan. And Paul, of course, was. Paul wanted to go to Asia and, and preach. But instead, he was, he was directed to Macedonia, which was in Greece, into a little town called Philippi. 
And there, you know, and, and, and there he, he, he started the church and, and got people around him. We talk about that, that there was no, that there were, the Philippi was mainly made up of Gentiles. It was a Roman colony. There was a lot of retired Roman soldiers in it and, and, uh, and whatnot. There wasn't a synagogue in there because usually Paul went to the synagogue. He was a Pharisee. He could go in and, and teach in a synagogue. But there was none. So he started preaching, and he preached to a group of women, one named Lydia, and there, from there, the church at Philippi got, got started, got kicked off. Um, afterwards, when he went back, well, when he went to Rome, he was a, you know, I'm sure the people of the old world followed him pretty closely on some of these things, and when he got to, to, uh, to Rome, he was, he was there. Well, of course, it's, uh, imagine, I would imagine it's sort of like our judicial system where it takes years to, to find justice sometimes. Um, he, uh, he was in, 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 a prisoner there for, for a while, and the folks at Philippi got together a gift and sent it to him. He sent Epaphroditus to give it to him, and this is Paul's, the letter is Paul's response to that. And it's, we said it's a letter of joy, where we are excited, where he's excited, even though he has no reason to be joyful. He's joyful because Christ is in him. And he is, he is in Christ. And, and, and that's the, uh, that's it. Now, he's trying to explain or trying to tell, talk to the people. You know, and there's one thing about Paul. He was, he was long-winded. You know, none of these, none of these dime store uh, thank you notes where you just flip it up and write thank you on it and, and send it off. He wrote a book, <laughs> literally. Um, so we want to start today with, with, chapter, with uh, verse 12 through 14. Um, Somebody read that for us. Steve, you look like you're ready to go, so would you mind reading 12 through 14 for us? Why don't I read that? Well, there are no pictures. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay. Do you notice how Paul shifts the focus from himself to the gospel? This is not about Paul. This is about the gospel. And that's and, and Paul wants people to focus on what's really important. So, you know, so he says, you know, uh, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Again, you know, the same God who used Moses' rod, Daniel's imprisonment, David's sling, Jesus' crucifixion, uses Paul's chains to advance his word and, and, and his kingdom. Uh, Paul didn't complain about it. Instead, he sort of... Uh, made them special in, in God's kingdom, in God's, in, in God's will. You remember he was chained to a Roman soldier, and, and, and that was 24-7 for, for Paul. But there were usually six-hour shifts. So that meant Paul got to speak to four Roman soldiers every day. A man must have been in heaven, <laughs> you know, he just, because he got to talk to somebody who didn't know Christ, didn't know anything at all about him, and he got to do this every single day. Now, these, members, these guards uh, is thought to be part of the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard was, elite, was a, uh, a unit of elite 
Roman soldiers, battle-hardened, battle-tested, uh, not your, you know, not your, not your uh, weaklings or, or anything along these lines. They had seen battle for years already, and, and they were just waiting to go back to it. Now they were assigned to protect the emperor and, and to protect the Caesar, and, and, and that's what they were. So they were not someone you know, who, who would be easy to, easy to, uh, to witness to, and yet Paul did. And he witnessed to them, and he witnessed to them all day. So some of these soldiers became believers. And he was able, and we'll see, you know, that, that he was able to even influence members of the Praetorian Guard or the Imperial Guard. Um, so, you know, this is something that Paul could never have done had he been a free person, had he been a free man. Because you just don't approach the Praetorian Guard and start talking to them. But Paul's chains enable the gospel to get into even the household of, uh, of Caesar and into, that, into those things. It's, it's, you know, it's evident to see in these two things that, that Paul did not view his imprisonment as a penalty or as a punishment or as a detriment, but he viewed them as a way to spread the gospel. And, and uh, again, he, he changed that from, from or, or he got the information, or, or he got the emphasis, rather, on someone, uh, on, the, on the gospel, rather, than on Paul. His thoughts were not, what's going to happen to me, but how can I turn this into an evangelistic opportunity? And that's something we should all, you know, that we should all try, you know, uh, all try to look at and try to see, you know. Um, his chains... Also, we see in verse 15, gave courage to others who, uh, who, didn't, who lacked the courage to, to go out and, and, and talk to them. There were the, the saved ones who had accepted Christ, of course, and they saw Paul's faith and determination because his, his reputation grew in the city of Rome, around Rome, especially around some of the believers. And then they were emboldened to go forward and do and do these things according to you know according to um, verse 14 it says and most of the brothers having become confident in the lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear so what man meant for evil god made for good and we see that over and over again don't we in scripture and in this case, in, in particular, he, he emboldened the people to, to do these things, not by what he said or not by preaching a sermon or not by doing anything, but just by living. Yes, sir. Now, what, what was it that, that strikes me? Why were they emboldened? Here he's in prison. It seemed to me that would be intimidating, not emboldening. Yeah, yeah. But when you see his reaction to his imprisonment, that was what it was emboldening them. He's doing this under his circumstances. Here I am walking the streets. I should be doing more kind of thing, you know, kind of reaction. Uh, it was the leadership that Paul exhibited, not by saying things or not by, not by you know, uh, preaching or anything. He let his life do his preaching. You know, what is it? Some people say, I can't, uh, I can't hear what you're saying. I'm too busy seeing what you're doing, <laughs> you know. Well, by him seeing what Paul is doing, hey, if he can do that, if he can feel that way, 
under his circumstances, what's wrong with me? You know, and, and, and how can I do this? All right, any other, any other comments? Any other questions? Any other statements? Anything jump out at you that, uh, that you want to know, ask about? If we do, you know, Frank can answer any questions. Go ahead. You were just saying the, uh, what's wrong with me, and I want to address that just a minute, because I think other people notice the things that we do much more than we do. Yes. And we may internalize and say, oh, I'm not doing so hot. But the other guy said, man, I wish I could be like him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Absolutely. There's sometimes, Prophet Paul was, had the humility he talks about in this passage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Because we as Christians come under a higher level of scrutiny than non-Christians do. I, I say that because I learned so much from widows in the church that nobody said much about but they were worthwhile watching. Yes. Because they had real faith. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else? Any other comments that, that came to you while we were talking, while I was talking? Anything else? Okay. Well, let's just, uh, let's just move forward then. That they, you know, as he said, you know, they've, they've been energized by his problems. You know, and, and a lot of us, would have thought, man, I'm glad it's not me. You know, I'm not going to speak up because it might be me next week, you know, or something to this effect. But these Christians were energized and, and, and uh, went forward by that. Now, let's go into the, let's go to the next section, if we would, in verses uh, 15 through 19. Uh, Jack, would you mind reading that for us? 15 through 19? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so again, as, in, as in, in the churches of the Old Testament, when, as Paul was writing to the different churches, he recognized that, you know, as soon as the word or as soon as the excitement of the knowledge of the word, first knowledge goes away, you're going to have some, some problems. You're going to have division. Even today, I mean, look at, our, look at how many churches we see that are in turmoil and, and whatnot. Because wherever Christ is, Satan is there too. Trying to tear down the the trying to tear down the the, 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 the people of Christ of God uh, and and so he, he you know he knows and he knows that these things that he's t he's talking again about some some folks here in in in, in Rome I'm talking about the Roman Church when he says indeed some preach Christ from envy and rivalry others from goodwill the the latter the ones from goodwill do it out of love knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. And, you know, and some are actually being critical of, of Paul 
I don't know why. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I can't understand why anybody would want to be critical of, of Paul, of this man of faith who is, who is so uh, ardent and, 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 you know, holding out for the, for the gospel. But some proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. In other words, they were jealous of, of, of Paul, you know. Uh, it's, as I said, it's hard to believe but some did preach sincerely, and some did preach insincerely. And what was Paul's response to it? They don't really care as long as Christ is preached. You remember after, in, in, in the, uh, when, when Jesus was, you know, still, they, he, there was a, a Simon, uh, I don't remember his, you know, which Simon it was, but he was preaching the false, or he was out preaching Jesus. But he was not one of the group. And what did the, what did the apostles want to do? They wanted to silence him. They wanted to hush him up because he wasn't part of the in crowd. And what was Jesus' response? Hey, he's preaching. He's preaching Christ. And that's what he, that's, that was okay. That was the one, that was what he was, uh, that's what, you know, to get the word out. You have to remember that this, that this movement, this thing we call the Christian church now, or the Christian religion started with, just a small group of people in a Middle Eastern town, and, and the whole world was out there, civilized and, and everything else, thanks to the Roman Empire. But, but it, you know, and then it spread, and and it was a miracle the way it spread. It, it had to be directed by, by God, because it was, you know, no force was used, no no conquest, no no nothing. You know, it was just, uh, it, it was just that. But the, the bottom line, though, again, is that that. Christ was able to rejoice when, G when, when, when Christ was preached. Paul was able to rejoice when Christ was preached. And that's what he's saying here, that he's, he's just excited about that. And all that mattered was the preaching of the gospel. And, and again, what man meant for evil, God means, God turns to good and, and, makes, and it makes something out of it. And because of that, you know, the gospel was being spread, and Paul was rejoicing. Uh, it's interesting to see in verse 19 there, we see that, that Paul really expects to be delivered. And, and, and you know, he, he says, yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So he knows, or he feels like, very optimistic, not because of his own own beings there, not because of the words that he spoke to the, to the, to the triumphant or whoever it was he was in front of when he, when he made this trial, but because of the Spirit, because of the Holy Spirit, because of, uh, of the, the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So he expects to be, he expects to be um, acquitted, if you would. Okay? And, um, and, of course, and of course, he is still, you know, rejoicing. He's rejoicing because the word is being the word is being circulated. The word is being, you know, from the Praetorian, Praetorian guard to uh, the people in the uh, the gathering, in, in the small gathering there in Rome. Questions or comments? I mean, just you know, I know it's after Thanksgiving, but you know, come on, <laughs> anything, <laughs> okay? Um, so let's go on then in. in um, We'll we'll just uh, do. Let's see, uh, verses twenty through twenty-six this time. Tom, you got that for us, please, sir. 
earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, that will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you, all for your progress and joy of faith, and that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Okay. So, again... Paul was known, was known throughout Rome because of his imprisonment. They knew that this guy was, was imprisoned there and that he was, you know, preaching to the guards and preaching to anybody else that, that he could see or could find or, or anything else. It, it's, still, it's still possible that, Rome would, that Paul would be put to death. He didn't expect it to be, as we saw in, in verse 19 up there, that he fully expected to be it to be released, but... You know, there's always that thing hanging over you. It, the, it just uh, it continues to, to, to be there. His only desire was to magnify Christ and to, and, to preach his, and to preach the word from there. He wanted nothing more than for people, when they look at him, to see Christ and to see what Christ has done for him in his life, and 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 that was his his, his example. If Paul was not afraid of death. You know, what is what is he saying, or what is he meaning in there? You know, when he when he says, you know, um, as Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh means more fruitful labor for me, which I shall choose, I, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul knows where he's going to be. Paul knows that to live is Christ. To die is gain. And yet he still wants to stay on. Why does he want to stay on? That's what he was there for. And that's what he keeps saying over and over again. That this is, you know, for me, he's saying basically, for me, you know, I'm more than willing to go. I'm more than willing to die. But I want to stay here, Philippians, for you. Because I can do these things that will help you. And not just the Philippians, but all of his, all of his converts, all of his people throughout the, throughout the, the, the Middle East and, and uh, Europe in there. So, I mean, he's, he's trying, you know, he's saying, but now if, you know, and the, the book I read said, uh, how would you fill in the blank? And we're not going to take volunteers on this one, but, you know, how do you, how do you fill in the blank? For me to live is, what? Good to die is bad, <laughs> you know. Which way do we want to go on this? Where, where, you know? How do you feel about 
about Paul's statement, you know. He, Yeah. Terrible, you know? yeah. All you can say to me is, so that is so good. Yeah. But few of us, I think, would say it's for Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you're probably 100%, Frank. <laughs> and it does. But, you know, our focus should always be on doing all we can do today for Christ and his kingdom and for the. And for the brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is, you know, and, 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 and you know, Paul, uh, you know, is not afraid, of course, of death. He's seen, he's seen death pass him by so many times, you know. We can't even begin to, to imagine what he's been through as far as, you know, this goes. But he still remains focused on the furtherance of the gospel. And, and, um, and, and this, this is what this is what he's saying. If Paul lives, he's got work to do. You know, it reminds me of the, the, the old joke. If you've heard it before, I have a way of repeating my jokes. But I think they're funny every time I tell them. So, <laughs> but, said, but you know, the preacher was preaching, you know, and he was talking about it. He says, now I want to show hands. I want to, how many of you want to go to heaven? And, you know, everybody except for one old guy sitting back there like Butch, you know, and he's just sitting there and his, you know, like this. And he said, wait a minute, Butch, don't you want to go to heaven? And he replies, yeah, but I thought you were getting up a load now and I got work to do tomorrow. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we all want to go to heaven. We all want to, we all want to, 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 to be there. And, and Paul longed to be with Jesus because he could say to die is gain, you know, better for me. But I stay on, and as long as I stay on, I'm working for you. You know, I'm working to, to do for you and, and to help you. Talk about a servant's heart, right? Um, he, but, but he still had work. He still had to, you know, there are plenty of places in that world in the old world back there that he hadn't been to yet and that he hadn't sent anybody to. So he's, he, you know, he believes that, that you know, that, that he wants to stay and, and work with them, the ones that he loves, especially in this letter to the, to the Philippians. Uh, he's, he's willing at this point to forego the immediate pleasure of being with Jesus, to stay here on earth and to, to minister to the saints at Philippi and, and all, the other, all the other churches that he's been in and, and worked in, and especially there in Rome since he is in Rome. Now, having said this, that he, he feels confident that he's going to be here a little bit longer again because in verse 25, in verse 25 up there, he, he just said, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So again, he's confident that he's going to be there, but he's trying to say, he's trying to tell the Philippians, this is what I feel for you. This is how I feel. And you should have the same attitude or the same focus. Now, there's only been one Paul, you know, and there'll probably never be another Paul. But, uh, but he was a, a, just, a, just such a warrior 
uh, for Christ. Um, the, the church at Philippi has probably existed a little over 10 years by this time. And there were people there that, that needed teaching and nourishment. And Paul was willing to forego the, forego the glories of Christ immediately for that task, for teaching them and strengthening them and building them up in the, in the word. Okay. So let's go on then and, and continue, and let's just finish out this chapter, if we would, verses 27 through 30. Frank, would you mind reading that for us, please? Sir? Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Mm -hmm. So Paul continues this uh, optimism, if you would, and he, starts, and he teaches them, or he's telling, telling the Philippians at this point, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What's he talking about there? Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. To be a good witness to others, that um, you conduct yourself in a way that's pleasing to God yeah. and that others can see and it's the witness. Yeah. yeah. Let your life be your gospel. Let your life be your witness of the gospel, I should say. So allow, you know, it doesn't mean that we walk around in sackcloth and ashes or, you know, constantly dour, uh, sad, you know, persecuted feeling that we're, oh, Lord, we're Christians, you know. But let it be uh, an example to those around us that they can see and just ask, well, why are you so, why are you not worried? Why are you not this why are you what gives you the right to be happy in a situation like this you know or or something along those lines because you know Christ is in us and that's the manner that again that, that Paul is talking about he's saying that you know let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whenever or whether I come to see you or am, am absent that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by any, uh, in anything by your opponents. Let them see this. Let them see what, you know, what it is. And, and, and again, he's not saying here this, this uh, fake happiness, <laughs> this, this uh, uh, front, the facade that we put on. We're supposed to be happy because we're Christians, so let's be happy. Kind of thing he's talking about this joyfulness that it, it can only come from from knowing from knowing Christ, 
and from knowing that, that you know, that he is there. Um, and, 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 you know, he's saying that, or he's exhorting the, the Philippians to remain steadfast, united, and unafraid. Because, you know, the, it, Paul speaks of unity in the church throughout, throughout everything. We've, we've seen in the world around us, we've seen the effects of, of disunity in a church. We've seen churches split. We've seen churches fall. We've seen a lot of things going on. Well, it all starts from, from inside, inside of us. And Paul is saying, you know, be uh, that you stand, you know, he's telling them stand firm in one spirit, one mind, side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened of anything that your opponents may throw at you. You know, we, we, go, we go through times of, of trials and tribulations, each one of us does, but we should behave as though we are citizens of heaven. Because we are. This is not our home. We're not citizens of Candlemas. We're, we're citizens of heaven, and that's and that's how we should. That's how we. Should, that's what he's saying is how we should should show to the other people, so that when he hears of Philippi, or when he hears of the city of Philippi, he'll hear about the people that he that he's writing this letter to. Um, that uh, uh, we should do good any with any. Um, just for the sake of God, just for, just for Christ's sake, we should do something. We should strive to do good. We don't do good to to get recognition or to gain power or, or satisfy a dream or whatever. Because when we get our reward, then that's good enough. We do it for the sake of Christ. He rewards. And we may not see that reward right away, and that's you know, but it, but He will. Um, and we don't want to, you know, we certainly can't do it to gain our way into heaven. We already, we already have that. So whatever we do, you know, um, the greatest weapon against Satan that we possess is a godly life. Because if you don't, then, I mean, you know, you will be found out. Your sins will find you out. <laughs> so the, the, the thing that we look for is, as I said, best weapon is, is to do as a uh, as a godly life just live just live that um, what is the what is the the faith of the gospel that he talks about it says in verse 27 he's being of one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and of course what is that faith Faith in Christ, right? That's the faith of the gospel. The faith that is true, the faith that is written down and, and so on, you know. It's the body of divine truths that are given to the, to the church. Um, we as a church have that commitment to, to spread that word to, to all. You know, and we, we can't, we cannot leave the task of teaching that truth to someone else. We have to teach it to others ourselves. We as fathers have to teach our children and, and, and teach our grandchildren and teach anybody else that's, that's by because we can't leave it to chance. I had a friend one time, we were talking about religion, 
And he said, well, he says, you know, he said, I'm not going to force religion on my children. I'm going to give them the chance to choose for themselves. And I said, then you've already made that choice for them. Yes. Well, I like the way he puts it, standing side by side, yeah. which emphasizes the strength that comes from the collective, from us standing side by side with other Christians that we don't have if we stand alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And knowing that our brothers and sisters are standing there praying for you. Maybe you're in this thing by yourself. But when you ask for prayer and you know you're getting it from our brothers and sisters, that means, that means a lot. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and, and as I said, we've all gone through trials and we've all gone through tribulations. And we used to call, you know, I, I had a very good friend in this church right, years and years ago. When I was going through something really bad, I'd give him a call. And I say, hey, buddy, pray for me. We wouldn't even have to know why if I didn't have time to explain. But he said, I will. And I knew he was. I knew he was praying for me because we, we did that to each other. And, and you know, uh, so just knowing that we have brothers and sisters standing side by side is, is more than anything that we could hope for, more than anything that we deserve. So, <clears throat> so if we can... But if we don't teach that word, if, if we skip, if one generation doesn't teach the next generation, then all that we have in our, in our fellowship, in our brother, in, in, our, in our churches here, will go away. One generation will be all it would take. Sometimes it's tough to get uh, Christ into your children's lives. Yes, it is. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It is. <clears throat> it's tough for us because we want to go up to them and shake them. <laughs> Don't you understand? Can't you learn? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? But no matter, you know, again, it, we're called upon to teach, and God has to do the rest. And, and we pray, and, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> A lesson I learned from Don back there, I pray for my grandchildren and my children every single day. And there I got younger grandchildren that I, you know, have not accepted Christ yet, but I, I pray that every one of them will accept Christ as they come through. And I call them, again, I call them by name and pray for them specifically because of that. And, you know, and, 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 and like you said, uh, Jack, anytime I can, I always, you know, bring up something and, and let them know that I'm praying for them and that I am consistent about it. Not bragging, but consistently praying for them. And, you know, then we just have to, we just have to turn it over to Christ. Turn it over to God and pray that His Holy Spirit will, will, uh, will reach them. But it, it is our, as I said, responsibility to teach, to teach those. Um, now, in the spiritual fight that Paul is talking about here, and it is a spiritual fight, when he says, firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side, and not frightened by anything, in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. What does a non-believer feel when he sees a strong a Christian like Paul 
fighting the fight. What does Paul mean when he says uh, of their destruction? It's a clear sign of them for their destruction, but of your salvation. Anybody have any thoughts? If we are believers, we're going to be tested. If we are believers, the world is going to come against us in one form or another. You know, what may be a test for me may not be a test for you. But for me, it's a test. It's a, stri- it's a trial. It's a struggle. And how I handle that is, is of utmost importance. And that's what, you know, and again, this is what Paul's trying to say here. He says, uh, not frightened in anything by your opponents. They see the way you are, and, and they know they don't have that, and, and it's a sign of their, of their destruction. But the way we react is a sign of our salvation. Not, not, that it, not that the way we act is going to give us a salvation, but it's a sign of the salvation that we already have. And then Paul adds, and that of Christ. Because that's, you know, he is, he is the only way. Um, it says, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And, and again, we will have suffering. Paul in another part of, of, of another letter says, rejoice in your suffering. Whew, what a job. What, a, what an order, you know. Tell me, wait, wait. He didn't say be happy in your, in, your, in your tribulations or in your trials. He says rejoice, you know. Be joyful because you're there with Christ, not by yourself. And, you, and, and as the song says, you never walk alone. And that's, and again, this is what, you know, this is the theme that, that Paul is trying to get them to, to see. Um, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul is still in this, in this trouble. Were you raising your hand or just scratching your head? <laughs> See, that's how badly I want people to ask questions. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Don't even look at me. I mean, I'm, you know, to do so is, is dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, the are, are there any you know any questions that you have or anything in here that Paul is? If Paul wrote this letter to you. By the way, he did. Uh, what would you want to ask of him? I mean, how would you, you know, what would you say at this point after his, after in, in, in instructing this? I would say, I wish I had your faith. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, was it Peter that said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief? Yeah. <laughs> We've got the fire insurance. Now we just need the, the rest of the insurance, you know, to be able to live through it. And, and, and persevere through it. I was thinking that um, normally if someone wrote you a letter or spoke to you and said, you're going to suffer, oh. you're going to suffer like I am, it'd be a real downer. But <laughs> when they didn't see how Paul is handling it, yeah. it, it should have been very inspiring and helpful to them and to us. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure it was. Because, you know, when, when Christ in the garden, you know, Father, if it be your will, don't let me go through this. But your will be done. And that's what we as, as Christians have to see that, that, you know, Lord, I don't want to have to do this. Just don't leave me by myself and we'll do it. We'll, you know, you'll do it with me, in me, or, or I'll do it through you or however the nomenclature wants to be set up like this. But anyway, yeah, good point. Jack. You know, being a young boy growing up in a Catholic <laughs> household, uh, my parents frequently took the name of the Lord in vain. Mm-hmm. And I can remember my mother saying, for Christ's sake, Absolutely, absolutely, and, and and it's strange how after after you became a Christian, that became offensive to you when you heard somebody else say that, or, or even think back on it, you know. So, just do it, you know. God is good; He's working on us. Any other questions or comments or anything, Justin? Would you mind closing us in prayer, please, sir?